0: This is Luminous, Conversations on Sacred Arts, coming to you from the Institute of Sacred Arts at St. Vladimir's Seminary in Yonkers, New York, and I'm Peter Buteneff. Welcome. You know, there are artists who consecrate their work in the direction of the sacred. These are the conduits of the sacred arts. And then there are viewers, listeners, participants, those of us who partake of art But there's another role that needs filling, and that is the person who draws our attention to works of sacred art. Especially in a noisy, crowded world, we need guides. Just as we need our friends to turn us on to new music, forgotten movies, and other hidden gems, we also need those people who are especially attuned to what's happening in the world of art, people who, by instinct, as well as by a cultivated skill. They seek out the artistic voices, whether loud or just whispered, that deserve our ear, that deserve our gaze, our attention. Such people, in the memorable phrase of my friend, Father John McGuckin, such people help keep the flame of civilization alive. I think it was Jeremy Begbie who introduced me to the work Of my guest today, Victoria Emily Jones. Among her many important contributions in keeping the flame of civilization alive is her blog, Art and Theology, with the subtitle Revitalizing the Christian Imagination Through Painting, Poetry, Music, and More. Victoria plays such an important role in drawing our attention to sometimes well-known and sometimes obscure, unsung works of art. And she invites us to explore their inner power as well as their theological meaning. And this is where I say welcome, Victoria. I'm so glad you're here.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> you took a little persuading, Yep, <laughs> but it worked. Yep, I'm here. <laughs> and um, so you're, apart from recovering from... COVID, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I was going to say this, this didn't stop you from producing an incredible set of posts already this week for Advent, and uh, it's been a joy to get that in my inbox every morning.
1: Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy this time of year and just um, putting out art and music to help people contemplate different themes of the season, so, yeah.
0: I think Advent and Christmas have always inspired Artists and musicians and architects. For sure. And, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. A tremendous outpouring of art.
1: Yeah, there really is such a richness. And a lot of people don't think of there being um, – Like, a lot of people are familiar with Christmas music, but I think fewer people are familiar with a lot of the Advent music. And so I do try to honor the distinctiveness of that season and um, kind of like the signposts leading up to Christ's first coming and just leaning into the lament of the season, um, lament over our own brokenness and the brokenness of the world. And so and then moving into that, uh, that burst of joy that comes at, at Christmas.
0: That's awesome and and it's such a antidote to the kind of garish mm. <laughs> um you know commercialized uh, i live in the suburbs and i just i can't look on the lawns anymore yeah. you know just all the like these inflatable <laughs> yeah right um, shivering penguins the, and that's not even so bad um but yeah um that's 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 really beautiful to to kind of invite us all into that into the cave into the cavern mm-hmm. that is expecting christ mm-hmm. it's amazing yeah. yeah um so so you've enjoyed doing that i often begin by by asking people like what has been bringing them joy lately uh has joy been seeping in for you despite uh being a little bit under, <laughs> under the, the weather, weather. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah it has i've been um yeah, just spending time with the works of these artists that I'm featuring. It's, uh, sometimes as a blogger, I'm always living a little bit ahead of the, of the liturgical season that we're currently in, because I started preparing this series in August. So for the past several months, I've been kind of reflecting on some of this art and music,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it, it has been bringing me a lot of joy and nourishment.
0: Mm-hmm. This really feels like a full-time job. For you, I know you're you're involved with other um, editorial work with with other Mm -hmm. organizations and and online journals, et cetera, but this is really your daily bread, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It definitely takes up a good chunk of time. And so, yeah, my main source of income is I'm a copy editor for book publishers, and I do a few other freelancing projects, but yeah, I do devote a lot of time in the week to to preparing content for the blog.
0: How did you um, come to this? area of work to this vocation really
1: yeah i would say that um i guess the spark that that got me interested in art was in high school i took a a studio art course and one day our teacher showed us a video of sister wendy who's the nun and the bbc presenter who who goes to all the museums and cathedrals and talks about the art she sees and that was kind of my first exposure to, to a lot of the art from the, the Western canon, um, and modern art as well. And I was just so fascinated by it. And I, it was stimulating to me visually, but also spiritually. And so, um, yeah, just being exposed to her videos, um, her documentaries from the BBC, that, that, that was enough to encourage me to sign up for some art history courses in Mm. college. And so even though that wasn't my major, I did some art history coursework in college and I studied, um, abroad in Florence, Italy for a semester, Mm. um, the cradle of the, the Renaissance there. And, um, yeah. And just, I guess what, um, what was so fascinating to me was that this art I was learning was part of my heritage as a Christian. Like a lot of it was produced for the church, um, commissioned by the church. Um, a lot of it made by artists of faith. And I feel like this part of my heritage has just been kept a secret for me for so long. Like I was never learning about any of it in church or those kinds of contexts. It was always in more academic context. And so mm-hmm. I was interested in how art um could be used in in personal devotion and um how it can just draw us into a deeper love of of god and of neighbor yes wow
0: that's um that's so much right there um coming back to even how you how you began talking about this i think of sister wendy who was really a phenomenon back Mm in the 90s wasn't it um and i guess Continuing to sort of influence people, kind of as a a gateway drug <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to uh, to the sacred art. She has this really um, compelling, inviting way of of you know, and and then there's the sort of the shock that you know what you know. I'm actually. Interested in what a nun has to say. I mean, <laughs> nuns don't have a lot of cachet, I think, in the mm-hmm. popular culture. But she helped change all that.
1: Oh, yeah. She's uh, a real cool cat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> tremendous. Yeah. I mean, she's just so full of insight and so full of of curiosity and kind of the welcome of of new um, new creativity, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I'm so glad it inspired you to, 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 to do that. I mean, maybe it wasn't the only thing, but it sounds like mm-hmm. a major that it played a major role for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's one thing to sort of take art history courses and to, to have this um, period in Florence. I mean, what a great gift. Um, Not everybody comes away from that kind of study, um, deciding that they're going to do what you do, you know, kind of bring things together, connect things, present them, represent them, write about them. So there's like a, um, A journalistic side to it, isn't there?
1: Yeah, and so journalism was actually my my concentration in college, my degrees in journalism. So I have that, and English literature, the double degree. Um, And so, yeah, literature has always been something from a child that I loved. And so the poetry was just very natural, something I've been... um, yeah, enjoying poetry since I was young, and so that's one element of the blog. The art, as I mentioned, the visual art came later, and then as for the music, um, I'm actually um, the music director of my small Presbyterian church in Maryland,
0: nice. um,
1: and so I've, uh, I'm an amateur pianist, and so I, I've always enjoyed... Um, playing hymns on the piano as part of uh, my devotional time and even digging into to the history of hymns. And I'm just always in awe of how they've been passed down for generations and how they've um, sometimes morphed and changed as different communities have made them their own or hymnal editors have tweaked things, but they're, they're still here. And I'm fascinated by how they travel through time and connect us to people from the past who, who wrote them and sang them.
0: Um, mm, mm. Yeah. yeah of course hymns are the the marriage of of poetry and music right there so there's there's already a kind of a <laughs> mixture that's beautiful i think in this morning's post didn't you draw our attention to a hymn um from George MacDonald, if I remember. Oh
1: correctly. yeah, so it's yeah. a it's a poem by George MacDonald from the 19th century, and yeah, it was set to music in this kind of folksy style by Katie Weir, um, and it's a poem about how. Um, it's a short little poem about how God surprised us in how he came to us in the incarnation, like as a, as a vulnerable baby. And in a similar way, God continues to surprise us again and again in the ways he comes to us. Um, not always how we would expect, not always in the ways that we pray for, but he does continue to surprise. Um, and so, yeah. And so I paired that with a, um, a dutch golden age painting from rembrandt's workshop about um just this very ordinary family in the 17th century dutch home um uh grandma anne rocking the baby jesus to sleep and um just kind of reiterating yeah he came not as people were expecting
0: Mm, mm. um that um calls to mind a a very strong theme in your blog and that is uh well, I'll get back to the to, to the beauty of of the diversity of artists that you that you draw upon, but also um, the theme of contextualization, mm-hmm. where the the Jesus story and uh, from infancy onward, even from Annunciation onward, mm-hmm. um, comes is kind of inculturated. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how what is that sort of? mean for you that that process
1: yeah i think that um a lot of times there's a resistance i think in our day and age to like even spend time on the with the old masters who did show jesus as incarnate in um you know renaissance florence or um in spain or the, in holland um because they're like no he he wasn't born in those places he wasn't white he wasn't european um And I see where people are coming from, but I also want to show how in a way that it's making a theological statement. It's not aiming to be literalistic. It's showing how Jesus came, um, into our place, into our time. Um, and I do try to balance that by showing how artists from all over the globe, um, from Nigeria, from India, from, um, um in australia among indigenous artists they show often show jesus as incarnate in their own time and place and i think it's a beautiful way of um of yeah just expounding the meaning of the incarnation and of god with us it's kind of emphasizing this with usness aspect of of Mm. the incarnation and so yeah yeah
0: yeah so the what, what, what theologians call the scandal of particularity exactly. of, of Jesus's mm-hmm. Middle Eastern, Jewish, you know, very Davidic, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, lineage and first century Palestine. Um, and then the universal, how, how uh, of, of the universality of the Incarnation. Right, right. Um, do you have any particular examples of, of contextualized depictions of jesus um, across the cultures
1: um yeah so one of the publications i work for is called the daily prayer project and it's a it's a liturgical magazine that comes out in six editions a year and for the christmas edition that will be coming out in just a few weeks um i actually rounded up eight different cultural contextualizations of the nativity um and so um, there's a line of cut from South Africa um, by Azariah Mbatha, and it shows Christ um, being worshipped by like the native wildlife. So there's an elephant and there's a bush pig, wow. and they're present there at the nativity instead of the ox and the ass. Wow. Um, and That's so, great. yeah, it's beautiful. And then... Um, the The cover image is by a Japanese artist who who passed away in twenty fourteen. That I've just been researching more is Hiroshi Tabata, and it's a beautiful picture of the Holy Family, um, rendered with Japanese features. And he also he was an artist who also spent time in the Amazon among indigenous people there in Brazil. And um, so he incorporates um, elements of his time in Brazil into the scene as well. And so, yeah, definitely a very multicultural (laughs) depictions. Yeah,
0: yeah. These are kind of like acts of love, aren't they? Mm. Uh, um, And uh, yeah, acts of invitation. Yeah, um, and maybe a sign that that mission is is working. (laughs) it's not like imposed from the outside it's just like
1: also a reminder that like in some countries um like one of the images we feature is from an ethiopian manuscript and christianity has a very long heritage in ethiopia and i think Mm -hmm. um not everyone in the west is as aware of that because we tend to trace the strand like from rome and how it spread from there but um since the fourth century i mean it's been the the state religion of of the kingdom uh uh, of Axum, now Ethiopia. And um, so there's such a rich heritage of religious art coming out of there um, manuscript illumin- illuminations and liturgical objects. And um, I live uh, outside of Baltimore, and there's a great Ethiopian art collection at the Walters Art Museum in Baltimore. Oh. I love spending the day there looking at all mm. the <laughs> religious art from uh, that and Armenia. Yeah.
0: Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh <laughs> There's so many places I could just join in there. Um you know so so you've you've mentioned and I invited you to kind of go into these kind of more uh, in a way far flung regions f- for us from our location in, in northeastern America. <laughs> these are far flung places. Um within um the kind of I guess more europe and middle eastern european middle eastern based experiences um some people almost too too easily separate eastern christian and western christian Mm -hmm. you know eastern christian my tradition orthodox etc and then western christian through latin roman catholicism the reformation traditions etc and i think sometimes we exaggerate the aesthetic and even theological sensibilities that that divide these two mm-hmm. um i do take note that you among your kind of favorite <clears throat> artists you, you do have some ukrainian and polish and and mm-hmm. russian um i, I can't remember if, if greek and and cretan etc art is is featured as well yeah. but um do, do you do you sense this kind of east west um artistic uh, aesthetic
1: so i am very interested in promoting um an ecumenical perspective that sees us all of um, the same cloth we do have different traditions and some theological particularities that differ but i see us all as this um global body of faith and i'm really interested in showing places um where different strands of christianity um are, um, yeah, lifting up the beauty of God and the beauty of God's creation. And so, yeah, as you mentioned, I am really interested in um, the newer icons that are coming out of Western Ukraine from Lviv. There's a school of iconography there um, that's very vibrant. And um, I got to see an exhibition of those in Massachusetts um, a few years ago and it's just beautiful. A lot of these artists are young women and how they're working within the icons tradition, but in some ways kind of pushing the boundaries of that tradition. And so it can be kind of controversial, um, for those who are Orthodox, I know. Um, but I'm, um, yeah, interested in what that, um, those visualizations can, can reveal to us and, um, and yeah, and then the more traditional icons um, um, from Russia, from Greece. Um, yeah, I'm very interested in that that visual tradition and language. Mm,
0: mm. Yeah, I really appreciate that, that you're interested in, <clears throat> in these things. Of course, um, I think for something <laughs> to be uh, pushing boundaries and controversial and adventurous in a way um, presupposes that that, that people are aware of the boundaries or what's inside, like what's not controversial, what's right. the traditional form of that art. And I guess, um, speaking of the East, which I'm much more familiar with um, artistically, um, I, th- I, th- I think there's not only a beautiful tradition that has a certain fixity to it, but I, th- I think we've come to fetishize it a little bit and, and, or, uh, such that when people do come and push boundaries, it becomes controversial. Mm-hmm. I personally am not scandalized by it at all, by the kinds of that you're talking mm-hmm. about, like Olga Demchuk and, mm-hmm. and, and, and these, these, again, many young women artists from Ukraine, Poland right now, um, and elsewhere. Um, and also men, so, some of the work of, of Todor Mitrovic in mm-hmm. Serbia. Um, my friend, George Cordes, of course, yeah. um, they, they do ruffle some feathers uh, some more than others uh you know some push it more than others but i i just i find it i, I welcome it <laughs>
1: that's great yeah yeah
0: and i'm glad you helped kind of to promote it um and i suppose i mean in in, in the west of course there's an incredibly beautiful renaissance flourishing of of, of christian art um but i suppose it's more Common to 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 push those boundaries, especially where um, where people of, of of other cultures have have kind of taken up the mantle, um, as well as contemporary artists. Mm-hmm. Th- yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm very interested. So my research focuses on what I call biblical art, so art that's responding to the biblical narrative or that's um, using biblical figures like Christ. Um, And so I'm really interested to see how contemporary artists, even if they're not coming at it from a place of faith are still responding to that narrative. I don't know if it's just, uh, like in the air, if it's culture, if it's like paying your dues, like, Oh, I got to do a crucifixion. Cause you know, or if there's something in that story, in the elements of the, that story that resonates with these artists, um, that impels them to make work in in response to it, or that draws on different symbols from the Christian tradition to express something that they feel that they couldn't express otherwise. Um, And so, yeah, in the 20th century, a lot of artists were um, painting or sculpting crucifixions um, because, um, I mean, some of them with no faith background at all are Jewish artists because they felt that there was something in that symbol, um, of Christ on the cross that represents, um, a a suffering with humanity, the divine suffering with humanity, or just a picture of, of of intense human suffering that they find comfort in, um, Mm -hmm. or that, um, is just a cry of lament for them even. So after the, the two world wars, we see a lot of flourishing of crucifixion Mm -hmm. scenes, Mm -hmm um and so that's interesting to me and also i'm interested in how um england does this especially well about inviting contemporary artists to respond to sacred spaces so um yeah hiring them to commissioning them to um do installations inside um, cathedrals or other churches um like one um piece that I've been writing about is called Flight by Arabella Dorman. Um, She's a British artist um, working in London and she's also a war artist who spent time in Iraq and Afghanistan. And in 2015, she spent the year in Lesbos working with refugees. And when a church in London commissioned her to do a a piece for Advent uh, at St. James's Church in Piccadilly, London, Um, She actually what she did is she put an overturned inflatable life raft, suspended it from the nave and has three orange life vests toppling out of it. And so you look at photos of this very gorgeous grand space and then you have this very unseemly looking life raft. But that disruption played a function for that community, and so I'm interested in how art can challenge and oh. and disrupt and so there's photos of like the congregation singing carols with candles, and then above them, this reminder of this global refugee crisis that's going on, and that coincided with other programming and so that was a way to put um yeah, to engage that congregation and mm-hmm. visitors to the church with with what's going on outside their walls um that's
0: tremendous yeah. oh what you've described um and that that word of the disruption um that that we're we're so afraid of mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you've just gotten done saying that that, that christ's entry surprise surprises us mm-hmm. um so there's this like happy surprise but it is also definitely a disruption mm,
1: definitely you know
0: mm-hmm. uh, when he first comes, and then people gradually realize who he is, and then when he rises from the dead, right. that's pretty <laughs> disruptive, you know? It's almost, you know, when I think of people that who have died, uh, even whom I love very, very dearly, uh, if I were to suddenly see them again in my life, it's like, what are you doing here, right. you know? Uh, this is wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Um so yeah it, the disruptive the disruptive character of of Christ's entry but then in this case um the disruptive intrusion of this painful mm-hmm. fallen reality that we're all somehow responsible for right um right in a, amidst the space of worship that that's really really powerful
1: mm-hmm. mm. yeah and i just i think that the, this gospel story that um It's just so wild, and it has such far-reaching implications, and I'm just, the arts I feel like can open us up, um, can reawaken us to some of that wildness and surprise, and can astonish us again, and it can, um, yeah, and like I said, it can kind of jar us out out of our comfort sometimes, And then it can also just embed us more deeply in the story. So I'm interested in art as theology, but also art as story and art as uh, providing an encounter, a personal encounter. Because when I say theology, I'm not just talking about an intellectualized, like heady theology, Mm -hmm. but a searching after God a knowing God in like a personal way. And I think art can kind of help promote that
0: totally totally i think that's maybe the main purpose of art right. <laughs> at least sacred art but all art maybe i mean um i like the way you describe theology you know beyond just the, the academic and intellectual but the personal encounter um uh one of the great authors in in my world <laughs> um, spoke of mystical theology he said, like all theology is mystical if by mystical, we don't mean like kind of hazy or mysterious, but, but like lived experienced, you know, like like you said, a personal Mm -hmm. encounter that's mystical. That's, that's what the mystical is. Yeah.
1: And also with very like public implications, Mm -hmm. it's not, um, I think, um, yeah, art can kind of, um, not just bring us inward, but send us outward and kind of, um, yeah, bless us to go out into the world and influence how we see people, how we see our neighbors, how we interact with them um by just showing us our neighbor. Um the first step is just seeing them and um yeah, the arts our arts can do that really well.
0: Hmm. So, you know, when when you were putting this this blog together, you 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 had some choices you could have called this uh, art and encounter you could have called it art and spirituality you could have called it art and christianity but you use that word theology and i'm really glad that you're already like unpacking it in this beautiful way um what what draws you to theology and and do you have any sort of like background in it or reading in it or or like what what's your kind of entry point for that pretty loaded word of, of theology.
1: Yeah, so I actually agonized a lot over what to call the website. And sometimes I wonder if it was like the most descriptive uh, or if I should have chosen another word. I mean, part of it was just what domains were available. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, the reason I went against art and Christianity, even though my audience is Christian, I didn't want... I wanted to be sure to include art uh, that's not just made by Christians. That's important sure. to me because that can speak goodness, truth, and beauty just as much. And I think that some artists who aren't Christian might have been more wary, perhaps to be featured on a blog called Art and Christianity, or um, that I'd be making assumptions about their faith commitments. Um, so the theology, what um, art and theology, what impels me about theology is that um i mean art can be like a form of visual theology and i think oftentimes we think of theology as words or theology is worked out in treatises or sermons or um councils and that's true but there's also other modes of theology music can be a mode of theology as your friend jeremy (laughs) Begbie has so well shown us um visual art is a mode of theology as well in that it's it's teaching us about god um, and it's interpreting. it can be interpreting scripture as well so art as biblical commentary or exegesis um, and i'm really interested to um to spend time looking at how artists across the centuries and from different cultural locations how they're doing theology through art, um, and so yeah, what they're what they're showing us about God, or how they're seeking after God through this art, and I think it can um, open us up to to different angles, or, or help uh, help explore a, a very um, abstract theological concept in a more embodied way. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of what I had in mind that I would be doing with the blog. That's great. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Christ didn't come saying, I am one person known in two natures.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he (laughs) He, came telling stories, yeah. Yeah,
0: stories. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Based on his context, you know. Right. Seeds, trees, vineyards, you Mm know, uh, sheep. (laughs) <laughs>
1: right, right, and even yeah. the Bible itself, like a lot of it, is very literary. I mean, the Psalms—that's poetry, and For so sure. um, yeah, there is a, a very vast tradition of of, um, of biblical art, and it's it's still alive. It's still vibrant. I feel like a lot of people have this um, misconception about art. They they have the idea that oh, it kind of died after after the European renaissance and like Uh, now all you get it's like very kitschy or it's passé and there is a lot of that I will admit (laughs) but there's also a lot of artists who are doing really thoughtful and creative things and engaging that biblical narrative in visual ways um, and through contemporary idioms that is just very fascinating and I try to lift up or point my finger towards places where that's happening where people are um, where that tradition is still vital and yeah.
0: Beautiful. How wonderful. Um, I would love to talk a little bit with you about music specifically. And I wonder if on the way to that, we might want to listen to a little excerpt of something together.
1: Sure. Um yeah, so what we're about to hear is um, a portion of an aguinaldo from Puerto Rico, which just means a Christmas carol, and it's um, called Decimas de Nacimiento, um, Decimas of the Nativity, and it's by Pedro Flores, and it's in this, um, it's, it's a Hebrew song, which is a, it's a style of, of music in Puerto Rico, and I just, um, yeah, let's listen to it. Mm-hmm.
0: that was a stunning piece of music uh, you know so much you know you could kind of locate it culturally in some ways and and just such a inc- an <laughs> eruption of theology right, right. <laughs> or just of love you know for 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 the incarnation for the coming of christ
1: yeah and i think that sometimes to us like christmas sounds like you know Handel's messiah but it also sounds yeah. like this and just of course it's a reminder that all over the world people are celebrating christmas using um their own instruments, their own um, styles of, of playing, of singing. Um, they're writing their own lyrics, and I think that's beautiful. Just the diversity of of our faith tradition. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it's a great, great celebration. Um, are you yourself uh, an artist, which by which I would include music or poetry? I mean, do you? I am. Create?
1: I am not. No, I'm just a, an appreciator, an enthusiast yeah <laughs> hmm.
0: well i say do you create everybody creates yeah i, I mean, guess we, that's we, true
1: in yeah. a sense i mean like i said I, I i mean i play the piano but it's more of just like i read music <laughs> um so <laughs> i just not i don't compose or anything um uh but but yeah i've just um I'm not an artist and so but I've just always been so nourished by the work of artists and so um, yeah I found out in that high school art class that I referenced at the beginning of our conversation that I am not called to be an artist because I yeah.
0: We can't all be. I certainly am nothing for the visual (laughs) arts but I do play music but um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, when we think of, uh, of the sacred arts as, as you and I both do, uh, I definitely hear a focus for you on, on the visual arts and poetry and with definite incursions into music, then there's architecture, then there's dance, then there's textiles, there's furniture, there's, there's, there's all these ways that people lift up a voice, um, do you think there's something that, that ties together all of these artistic expressions and disciplines that would somehow be under the category of sacred? And and how would you describe that? I know it's a big question. But
1: <laughs> yeah. So the term sacred art, it's not one that I often use myself in part just because of that ambiguity. But... Um, I guess I use the term liturgical art to refer to art that's kind of in service to the liturgy. And then I would use the term, um, as I mentioned before, biblical art to refer to art that um, is depicting a biblical narrative or responding or engaging with it. Um, But for sacred art, I wonder if it has to do like with the intentions of the artist or does it have to do with the reception of the viewer or the hearer? Um, and I think maybe it's an either or thing. Like I think either way. And I think that, um, is it a work through which we meet God? Um, I think that there's the potential for any artwork of any subject or of any function to show, to reveal God to us in some way. Um, and so, yeah, I see, I see that category is pretty expansive, and I, um, yeah, like I mentioned, my research focuses on, uh, on biblical art, but I by no means think that if you're a Christian, then you must, you know, only depict biblical subjects, not at all, because I think there's such a, a richness, and uh, I mean, the Abraham Kuyper quote about, there's not a single square inch over which Christ doesn't say mine, so this idea that, like, all of life, all of, um, like our faith is over everything and, and Christ is Lord over everything. And so whether you're going to paint a still life or, um, you know, sculpt a nativity scene, it it can all be sacred in a sense, I think. And, um, yeah, I think what ties together the, the different disciplines, or at, at least the art that I feature on my blog, I think what ties it together is that it's in some way awakening us to the beauty uh, of God's story. So, mm. that's what I'd say. Mm.
0: Yeah, you, you put the question so beautifully um, just now. You know, is it, is it having to do with the intention of the artist or with the experience of the art? And, and for you, it's not an either-or, but a both-and? Yeah, um, yeah. 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 Um I'm I'm always interested to see where where people land, you know, on on that question. Um so so that said, you know, with the the material you do focus on in your blog, do you ever feature art that um is otherwise created from some spiritually neutral space but but ha- has a an effect on people that could be called spiritual.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And in this Advent series that I'm currently in, um, a lot of the Advent art, it wasn't made from a context of faith or of um, like a conscious uh, engagement with the Bible or with theology. It's more of just um, like I have a figurative sculpture uh, of a woman that's called... I think it's called Distant distant Hope, and she's just in this posture of waiting, and I don't know what the artist had in mind, uh, but to, to me, it seemed like a profoundly Advent image, this, this waiting for something that seems so distant um, to come, and the longing for it to come. And so, I, I don't know anything about the artist's, like, personal faith, um, but that's not always important to me because what is important to me is how, um, yeah, I guess I feel that art has, has a life outside of the artist's intentions and that it can, we can create new meaning with it by putting it in different contexts or by reflecting on it, um, within the context of a liturgical season, for example. And so, yeah, I think that's Mm. fair game.
0: (laughs) Tremendous. Right. So, I mean, that, that, In itself, as a kind of a work of art, is Mm -hmm. to um, invite an otherwise potentially secular work of art into the sacred space.
1: Right, and and I do try to be careful about that because I also don't want to try to like colonize or like baptize all art into like oh i'm like instrumentalizing this to like suit my own purpose i want to um take the art on its own terms but also try to open up different um yeah angles of meaning in it and through it yeah
0: that's awesome yeah i really appreciate the sensitivity not to colonize or appropriate um misappropriate it's like hey man that I didn't mean this in a Christian way. Yeah. Hands off of my exactly. of my art. <laughs> Um yeah, um my 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 close friend Rob Saylor wrote a book on Radiohead um and and he thoughtfully titled it not uh, what theology can teach Radiohead, uh. but what Radiohead can teach theology. Right, right. And uh it's a wonderful book, but um not uh, you know <laughs> I, I can well understand why a, a wide swath of Radiohead fans are kind of disgusted by <laughs> this idea, you know. You know, mm-hmm. like don't don't put your sticky Christian hands right. on on our music, which is kind of in a, in a way deliberately, you know, at least their image of, of, of Christianity. Uh, some folks right. is is not that it it describes. True life, right. but that it's just kind of a loathsome religion, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I re- appreciate that sensitivity, not to over overdo it. Um, you know, the '90s and, and early aughts uh, featured a whole spate of of books, um, like the Gospel According to the Simpsons, mm-hmm. you know, the Gospel According <laughs> to Disney, mm-hmm. the Gospel According to the Matrix, and uh, of course the Matrix, you know those guys were throwing religion at us <laughs> through that movie <laughs> and philosophy pretty consciously. But, but, um, you know, on the one hand, I think there was a sense of like, Oh gee, how cool we can sort of, you know, Christ is everywhere, right. you know, very much like the, the second century apologists, you know, Christ is in everything that's true, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but on the other hand, uh, maybe some of the, the, the creators themselves, are a little squirrelish about
1: right yeah i've had some interactions with artists where some have been um glad to um that i'm finding meaning in them and able to apply it to 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 my context and um and others who have been like no that's not an okay reading like um Mm -hmm. so um yeah i think there's different philosophies with artists some are happy to kind of let their art go and live its life and then some have more firm ideas about um like how it should be interpreted yeah
0: mm. Mm. I, I suppose um i mean people don't really talk that much anymore about postmodernism, but <laughs> <laughs> but when that was a thing um I guess the idea was like this total democratization of, of interpretation. Nobody can tell me how to interpret right. or not to interpret anything, right. you know? And so in a way that, that, that opened the floodgates and it's like, so, okay, mm-hmm. then I can take your art and, and make it Christian, right. um, you know, because it's not yours anymore. It's and now, now, now your art is, is mine and, and my, interpretation is as valid or invalid as anybody else's right
1: and i do think that there is often a theological component of art that is under recognized and um not As talked about in the art discourse and I know Jonathan Anderson who's at Duke now he's written a lot about this about contemporary art criticism and um, the invisibility but growing visibility of theology in contemporary art criticism and so yeah his realm is more contemporary art Um, my my, uh, forte isn't necessarily that kind of like gallery art um, but But yeah, I do think there are a lot of like mainstream artists today who they might not even themselves be fully aware. I mean, I've heard artists say this all the time that they don't even, um, it's not that they have like some kind of message that they're trying to like communicate through the art and the art is the vehicle. It's kind of like this process of, of, um, seeking and playing and sometimes they're surprised by the outcome and they're, um, constantly being surprised by, um, new meaning that yeah that, that's generated by that artwork and they welcome that. And so yeah, I just um wanna recognize where there where there is a theological strain in art and kind of bring that to the fore.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, I, I you know, since since I mentioned the second century apolog- I, I I apologists, I mean their 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 perspective is really understandable in the sense it's like, okay, we're now like for us the christ reality is reality i mean this the the world is as you said like every square inch is is impregnated with with this reality of of a self-giving and sacrificing god you know and that means if that's uh, if that's true as we say it is then everything whether whether one is a conscious christian or not is going to in some way reflect those dynamics you know Mm. unless a a grain of corn falls and dies it will not bear fruit but if it does it does bear fruit and you know that christic (laughs) reality is just it it somehow informs everything whether you buy into it or not you know and and fortunately it's 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 a reality that has a a good ending Mm -hmm. you know right it it if you want to go there. Um, yeah. But I can see why folks would say, hey, you know, don't don't Christianize my,
1: right, right. <laughs> my
0: work. Especially if I'm like, you know, a believing non-Christian. right? Uh, you know, Carl Rahner had this idea of the anonymous Christian, mm-hmm. you know, even if they're Muslim or Hindu. It's like, yeah, <laughs> some of them are saying like, hey man, hands off of my, of my faith. Right. <laughs> well, listen, we're, we're kind of, um, uh, Coming to a, a, a beautiful close, I think, of, of, of a time of conversation, is there is there something that, that you have wanted to put out there or to say or to engage into conversation about that we – a place we haven't visited –
1: Um, I guess I would just encourage people in regards to the visual arts to go out and see art in person, because there's a huge difference between seeing it on a screen or on a, on a PowerPoint slide or whatnot, and then seeing it physically before your eyes. Um, and so, I mean, most cities have an art museum, so I'd encourage you to visit your local art museum or, um... I mean because I'm from a from a church tradition my church meets in a community center so I'm not visually stimulated at all in the worship service <laughs> um it's just the bare blank walls kind of a warehouse style uh, setup and so I know like you know orthodox churches have that just visual richness um but Christians who aren't getting that um in a liturgical context yeah go seek it out um in a museum near you there A lot of art collections feature um, biblical art, and even if it's not, uh, just art that uh, has the potential to usher you into that divine presence, I think.
0: Thank you for that plug, you know, to, to visit art in person and experience it, engage it. Um, well, I'm just so grateful for the conversation, but also just for what you do. Um, it, it's a really important mission that, that you fulfill for all of us. And uh, keep doing it. Stay strong. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it's a joy that, that you're spreading it all. So thanks for being with us, uh, Victoria. Thank you. Uh, this podcast and the Institute of Sacred Arts at St. Vladimir Seminary are supported in part by the Henry Luce Foundation and by listeners like you. Please drop us a line. Consider how you can help us out. And thank you to those of you who've contributed. Find out more about today's guest, Victoria Emily Jones, at instituteofsacredarts.com slash luminous, or better still, visit artandtheology.org. One word: artandtheology.org, and subscribe to her blog. Um, go to the links that, that that link to her other work. Um, I promise you'll be rewarded. Luminous was recorded at Surge Audio Online. Thank you, Surge, and I'm Peter Buteniv. Thank you for joining us. Signor Gesù Maranata Vieni Signor Gesù Maranata Vieni Signor Gesù Maranata Vieni Signor Gesù Maranata Vieni Signor Gesù Maranata